Good morning. This podcast is brought to you by Metamucil. Metamucil, the fiber supplement that can help you continue your stand-up comedy career into your 70s. Thanks to Metamucil for sponsoring this podcast and welcome to Down by the River. I'm Terrence Hartnett. I'll be your host. I'm in Houston, Texas. Houston's great. Houston's awesome. Uh, There's comedy. I did some comedy shows. I went to the beach, Galveston, Texas, the Gulf of Mexico. Beautiful. The food's great. It is my second favorite city in Austin. Thanks to everybody in Houston who I met, Vic and Eddie Avilas and and Zod, um, great comedians. Um, But I talked to one for the podcast, and that one is the legendary Andy Huggins. Andy Huggins. Here's how I met Andy Huggins. I was at a show at the Avant Garden, and um, there was an old guy kind of walking around, and um, he was he was uh, kind of making his way. He had a cane. He was making his way towards the backstage area where the comedians were sitting, and uh, everyone was sitting down. I stood up. I'm a hero. I stood up to give the old man my chair, um, and he sat down. I didn't think he was a comedian. <laughs> And then the old man proceeds to go on stage and tell some of the best, tightest jokes that I have ever heard. Literally perfect joke after perfect joke. The audience absolutely loves it and everyone's laughing. I'm going crazy because I didn't think it was, I didn't, I, you know, it was one of the, you don't, you don't know who people are. You just don't know who people are. Um, and that's the lesson I learned from Andy Huggins. So Andy Huggins is a legendary a Houston comedian. Um, he was in LA for a while. Um, he's uh, he's known for having been friends with with Bill Hicks and some of the old uh, old uh, legendary Houston area comedians. He's been doing comedy for over forty years, um, and he's hilarious. He's he's an incredible joke writer. Um, I'm going to include his set. Uh, after the intro, just so you can hear it. I don't, I don't always do that because I try not to focus on comedy, but with Andy, um, his life is focused on comedy, on comedy writing, and uh, it's working out. He's got some of the best jokes I've ever heard, as I mentioned. So I'm going to include this set after this. Um, there was also a few audio problems, of course. Shout out to my ADHD for the audio problems. Uh, there's a small section of the interview at the end that I uh, I used uh, the backup audio instead of the regular audio. So there's going to be a small shift in the audio change. And the other one that happens is Andy gets a phone call. And, and also we get approached by a homeless guy. We're sitting on a patio outside of Rudyard's. And we get approached by a homeless man. And Andy, um, you know, we talked to him for like a second. And then I cut that, cut that part out. And I just included the aftermath. So... This is a very interesting episode. There's a lot of uh, gems. Andy talks about his his past and coming up, moving to L.A., the comedy store, coming back to Houston, talks about Bill Hicks, talks about writing, um, trying to write for TV, talks about writing a joke, talks about um, the way he works, the way he approaches comedy, the way he approaches life. Um, just one of the best talks I've ever had um, in my life as well as on the podcast. So... What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to include uh, a f- like a five-minute set of Andy's right after the intro, and then we'll get into it, okay? So thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Please rate and review the podcast when you get a chance. Um, scroll right down on the on the app you're listening to and just find the five-star or whatever the thing is and hit, hit a rating um, that could help us be exposed to more more people. So thanks so much to Andy for being on the podcast. Thank you to Houston for being great. I'm headed west 
I'm going to Lubbock and Amarillo, Texas, and then Denver, maybe somewhere else in between. We'll see. I have some wiggle room in my sketch. Um, but uh, thanks for listening, and uh, take it away, Steve, and then Andy after that. Down, down, down. Where are my old people at? Make some noise. Because I can't hear you. you got to make some noise here. Do drink up. I just had my favorite drink at the bar, Red Bull and Metamucil. An early bird bomb. Um, I am a recovering alcoholic, 26 years uh, sober. Uh, had to be done. Uh, first love, it, it, actually, but first love of my life, I, uh, I met in a bar. Uh, we met when I fell off my bar stool. She was already on the floor. One night, that lady asked me to spank her. I asked her why. She said, I'm into discipline, so instead I made her stand in the corner. Who's your grandpa? Who's your grandpa? <laughs> that was a difficult relationship. Uh, she had multiple personalities and I'm bad with names. <laughs> Here's what drunks do. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is what drunks do. We're always trying to come up with a plan that would allow us to keep drinking and stay out of trouble, so we're always trying. I remember after one particularly rough weekend on Monday, I decided I would only drink after dark. Tuesday, I bought curtains. <laughs> yeah, back then, late 70s, early 80s, every night I'd hit happy hour from 6 p.m. to 1988. <laughs> Got arrested once for drunk driving. Not only was I drunk, but I've been smoking hash. When I took the breathalyzer test, I inhaled, tried to pass it to the cop. YOLO. So strange. And what? Interesting. Everybody's ad libbing their career at the moment. Everybody's oh, yeah. improvising, and some people are better at improvisation than <laughs> others. And and not everybody is starting on the same page or starting at the same point. It's. it's uh, I mean, well, was, this has led me to to the attitude where I don't criticize anybody. What since the, the pandemic started? Well, once I don't criticize anybody for the approach they take. Yeah. To yeah. dealing with it. If somebody said, you know, the whole pandemic, I just sat on my couch in a in a daze and I didn't write anything. <laughs> I did. Okay, I understand That's that. That's one approach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know who else? It's not like there's somebody you can consult. It's unprecedented. Yeah. It's yeah. un it's never happened before. 
and yeah, I mean everyone from the yeah from the government to businesses, everybody to comedians, everybody has no idea what they're doing. No. Yeah, it's like there's there's people in, there's restaurant owners in New York who are saying like you know I used to run a restaurant now I run a tent I'm I'm, I'm buying heaters and I'm you know mostly that's their business now is yeah. figuring out how to keep a place warm. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So is it is it um am I correct in assuming it's unlike anything you've ever seen? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I you know I was out in Los Angeles when they had the strike at the Comedy Store. Oh right. Yeah, I was out there in the then. Se- late seventies. Late seventies, and that was unprecedented, and nobody knew what they were <laughs> they were doing, how to go go about it. Yeah. And I didn't cross the uh, the the picket line. I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine crossing a picket line that has Jay Leno in it. And, <laughs> you know, like, right. yeah, I mean, I just Letterman. couldn't imagine. Yeah, issues aside, I just couldn't <laughs> see doing that, so I didn't. But you know what? One of my best friends did. A couple of good friends did. I don't, you know. And find. they worked at the, uh, what, the uh, the store or the? Yeah, they worked at the comedy store. And there's the improv, Yeah, Gary Shandling crossed. Gary Shandling crossed. Okay, good. Let the, re- let the record show that uh, Shandling crossed the picket uh, line. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't. I know there's some people, what is it now, been 21, 40, oh my God, 40 years later, they still hold a grudge. <laughs> well, on both sides. <laughs> yeah, well. Boy, there was once on Facebook just a brutal argument between the two sides. Again, like at this point, it was like 35 years later, and they are going back and forth, and there was one comic who crossed and was, you know, very much a, uh, uh, opposed to the strike and it was like him against the world <laughs> for a couple of days god it was brutal <laughs> so yeah well, they were trying to get the the spot pay yeah raised yeah. no they tried to get paid period just get paid period just guaranteed to yeah. get some pay and you know mitchy was doing so well i mean like just at the original westwood was another story but at the original room she had three rooms going and on a weekend all just everybody flying around making money except for the comic servers and box office and their three rooms and the place is crowded and, and what and were they paying at the point are they, are they paying anything nothing they're just paying nothing nothing stage I mean, time nothing <laughs> and they got it i think the initial agreement i think it was a sliding scale but basically and I don't know if it'd be interesting to know if it's uh, gone up, but initially I think it was twenty-five bucks. Twenty-five bucks in nineteen seventy-seven. Well, you know, it, it, for God's sake, at least give us, uh, you know, gas money. Exactly. I'm gonna get this a little closer to you. That's pretty good coffee. That's good. Good coffee for a bar, huh? Yeah. I didn't even know they. I've been coming here for the my favorite open mic in Houston. It's upstairs here. Yeah, on Mondays, right? Yeah. I'll be there. Oh, okay, I'll good. I'll be there. I, I love uh, this place on Mondays. I've never had, didn't even know they had coffee. Do you like it because you're the guy on the sign? Uh, <laughs> no, that's been pointed out. No. <laughs> no, what's interesting is I love this place, Rudyard's, and I live on Kipling. And I, Rudyard I, Kipling. Yeah. I thought, well, that's a meaningless coincidence, but interesting. Is it... Uh, so is it, is is it, do either of them have to do with the uh, the writer? Is it Kipling because of Rudyard Kipling, or uh, is it some other Houston person? I think Kipling is Kipling because of the writer, because there's a there's a a Hawthorne. Okay. 
near where I live, like a couple of blocks away from where I live. And I think, and this dates back who knows how long ago, but I think at one point streets were being named after Arthur's. For, right, right, for right. Some or you'll be in a neighborhood and be like, okay, Lilac Street, you know, mm -hmm. Lavender Street, yeah, yeah. Violet Street. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you see there's a grouping or like, yeah, you see a Hawthorne. It's probably when Montrose was at its most artistic pretentious. Yeah. yeah. So let's get, let's throw in Rudyard Kipling. So this is a yeah. <laughs> in Houston, Texas, for no apparent reason. You don't know Kipling? Yeah, yeah. they uh, they love to reference a uh, an author. We're in Ma yeah, we're in Montrose in Houston. That's a it's a cool. It used to be a gay gay neighborhood. Cool used hip to be. I think that that was. Uh, I moved here in '81, and I'm sure it dates back before '81. That used to be a real cheap, easy laugh, connecting somebody to Montrose because you're implying they're gay. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was just a real cheap. I don't. Nobody does that anymore. I know. Like, thank goodness. It's like yeah. I mean, even even when I was in high school, I'm 30. I mean, yeah. even in high school, the joke was you're gay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it's it's kind of nice to see that. It, even in my lifetime, it's yeah. see, to see it. Yeah, completely people look crash. at you go, and exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's. I was telling somebody. Oh, some. I won't bore you with the specifics, but somebody trotted out that the, the implication was that. Uh, Dallas Cowboy fans are gay, why? and they, this was just like a month ago. Well, first of all, why is, why do you think that's an insult? Second of all, uh, yeah, they're not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's just such a. It just used to be Montrose used to be such a cheap, and you know, from the comics point of view, easy laugh. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. that's on y'all. That's take, on the audience, <laughs> not on me. Right, you're laughing at it. Yeah, so I'm I, do I just. It. I'll take whatever I can get. So it's, the other that's night, true. I have a a joke, kind of worked okay, and uh, then one night I threw in "fucking" as an adverb. Yeah. Big laugh. Yep. And I told the audience, I told the audience, this is on y'all. I tried not <laughs> using, I tried not using that word. I swear to God. But so this is on y'all. If it works, it fucking yeah, works. Yeah, you know, I I started to post on Facebook the other day that. Uh, uh, you know, a, a hypothetical conversation. Why do you say fuck so much? Because y'all laugh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, get off my back. I'm experimenting. <laughs> make, I'm up here by myself. Right. One of the ingredients to, that always works is yeah. the word fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's too. It's 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 almost too easy, which is why, yeah, some people work clean. Um, you, you can work clean. You have worked clean. Oh, yeah. Place. I would say of my current 40, 45 minutes, I have... Less than ten that I couldn't do on network that's TV, great. Right. and that's and it's almost exclusively I use fucking as an adverb. Yeah, because it's the if you're trying to convey extreme anger or frustration, literally there's no better word. Of course, I have a joke. The punchline is uh, 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 "Leave me the fuck alone." Leave me alone is the same joke. Exactly. Leave me the hell alone is the same joke. Yep. Leave me the fuck alone is uh, 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 in the extreme and given the, the, the setup, it's funnier. It's funnier. A, a guy being that angry over what I'm describing, <laughs> it's funnier than a guy being annoyed. Leave me alone is annoyed. Yeah. Leave me the fuck, me alone. The fuck you're, alone. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a great word it's used sparingly. Plus, you're an old guy saying fuck, which well, everyone loves. Yeah. I used to... Uh, because uh, I'm not well known over the years here in Houston 
some people know who I am. But a lot of times I'll just hit the stage and uh, what's this old man? Yeah, exactly. Going to do and one of the, I don't not always, but for a while, like the first joke I would do involved that word, and it wasn't that it it's how you used the word uh, in kind of a casual way. So right. an old man using it casually, like it's part of his ordinary vocabulary. They love it. Yeah, they love it, and you know, from a technical point of view, it set a uh, it set a it it set a tone. Yes. Okay, here we go. Dirty Grandpa. This, yeah, this isn't going to be cardigan uh, sweater. Uh, <laughs> grandpa jokes, whatever. The, the yeah, I saw the set where you opened with, uh, where are my old people at? Make some noise. Oh, oh, and yeah. then, like, where are my old people at? You're using that vernacular that's yeah. not common to an old person. Yeah. Well, it's because the comic before me, I don't you didn't. I don't know if you've seen Koo yet. No, no. But Koo, uh, African-American, uh, he, he went on ahead of me and said, oh, where are my... Where are my black people at? I guess or something like that. Where are my young people? Maybe is that he? I was just playing off of what he had said. Where are my old people at? They love you. Oh yeah, yeah. I have on several uh, occasions. I have uh, I have a couple I do now. I will use young person vernacular as a part. One time, uh, I was featuring for John Witherspoon. I'm not familiar with John Witherspoon. Oh, he's Local. the African-American. He's in a lot of the uh, comedies, playing the old guy Pops. Okay. Uh, I, I bet you, Dolly, you know him if yep. you look him up. Uh, predominant, and he's been around for a while. He's in a couple of Wayne's Brothers uh, movies and TV shows. Uh, anyway, he's at the improv. I'm featuring, and the audience is predominantly African-American. Uh, and the opener was African-American, and I mentioned Theo. I said, let's hear from Theo, great guy. Dates a real nice lady, pretty, kind of ratchet. Well, the place <laughs> went fucking nuts when I said ratchet. They went nuts. And this is, that was the first line of the act. And the laugh was so big and lasted so long, I'm thinking, oh, shit, I, I'm not going to be able to follow myself. Yeah, yeah. I think I just buried myself with my opening joke well as it turns out it was open i i uh featured for spoon uh maybe four times he died about a year ago oh no i'm sorry yeah yeah he's probably had a couple of years older than me boy he just worked all the time <laughs> uh, but uh that week i mean every show was just killer so i, oh, I loved opening for for uh spoon but there are a couple other uh 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 Ratchet uh, <laughs> type, you know the. You put I in stopped, a word. You know right. it, it has a a, a a lifespan, I think, and it's over lost, the course of a set. Yeah, well, over oh, the no. course of a uh, of, of a time. year right. or two years. Next it, year, Ratchet won't get the same. Yeah, response. it won't. Right, it won't. Um, um, that's one of my questions for you. Is uh, is uh, do you feel like because you're you're an old guy, you're presenting the old guy character, you're getting some, not all of your laughs. I mean, your laughs are coming from perfectly tight jokes. Great. Great jokes, perfectly structured, amazing jokes. But do you feel that you're being uh, pigeonholed or typecast, or that you're using, you know, your your oldness as a <laughs> as a crutch? Um, no, I don't. Here, here's what I do, and I am who I am after 71 years and the various experiences and the DNA I had and growing up and everything. When I sit down, and 
I, as I said, I can be over-analytical about comedy. Uh, I think too much about it just because I enjoy it so much. Right. But I'm not over-analytical when it comes to writing jokes. I just sit down and write the best jokes I can. Now, what the... And, 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 and over and beyond getting a laugh, whatever else it implies or does or hints at or whatever, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, if it, if, if it kind of typecasts me as an old... Old guy, oh, okay. If it, it it can be a lot of things. As long as it's funny, I don't care what anybody else, what other. It might be interesting to discuss if somebody said this, and I thought, really? Well, I think it'd be an interesting discussion, yeah. but ultimately, literally, all I care about is laughs. And literally, when I sit down to write, I try to write the best jokes I can. A lot of that involves being 71 years old. Right. Uh, and, and all the, you know, I have a joke about, uh, memory lapse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have jokes about being a little creaky at this age. Um, uh, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't know if I covered that in the set you saw. I but did. You, yeah. It was yeah. I'm great. a recovering alcoholic. That's you know, that's part of who I am. So you know, if you want to bring that into who I am, yeah. I, was... I literally do not care past funny. Right. That, that, there was a stretch of the set where you're talking about your your uh, your drinking days and you get pulled over and uh, you were also smoking hash and uh, you uh, the he gave you the breathalyzer and you inhaled and then passed it to the cop. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every joke that night did so well, and that was a night that was the crowd was a little bit uh, squirrely. I would say yeah. they were a little bit talky. Well, here's an advantage I find as I've gotten older, and this is I'll I'll play this card as long as I can. Hell, if it requires bringing a cane on stage with me, I'll do it. Because I'm not that well-known, uh, and they don't know what to expect when I'm introduced. Yes. They do not know what to expect. They shut up almost automatically. When I went on uh, uh, when I went on, uh, at, on at Avon the other night, yeah. there was a lot of noise in the back. Yep. And it stopped. <laughs> it stopped because there's a 70-year-old, 71-year-old man on stage. What the hell is he going to do? What the hell is he going to do? And and so yeah, if he, like I say, I don't, uh, I don't take a cane on stage with me. Uh, but if that gives me uh, a leg up, so to speak, <laughs> that gives me a leg up uh, with the audience, because they, I, I'm probably jinxing myself. I don't get heckled. Nice. Right. Now, I have to admit. Um, when I was in my 30s, I didn't get heckled a lot either. Why but is that? People, I, I just, yeah, I don't have a confrontational attitude or persona. Yeah. Um, not that I look harmless, but it, there might be a, a bit of sadism to yell at me <laughs> at any age. I, what are you picking on that guy for? Yeah. Um, but... But it's not conversational. Your style is kind of stand and deliver. Oh, it's anything but conversational. These. Yeah. Nobody's one-liner, set up punchline, set up punchline, premise, set up punchline, set up punchline. Right. Nobody talks like that yeah. unless they're on stage <laughs> with a microphone and an audience. It's right. sound, that's why when people want me, do some of your act. You're at a party. Do some of your act. It's weird. It's weird. Well, now, sorry, if, you're, sure. if you have a conversational style, I, I, I told a good friend of mine, uh, I speak in sentences, you speak in paragraphs. If you speak in paragraphs, uh, uh, you can do that. Right. Uh, you don't want to do it at a party. You don't want to do your act No one wants to do it at a party. But it would sound kind of, it would sound natural. Bill Burr sounds like a guy at a bar 
talking to his buddy. Just going off on a rant. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I sound like somebody with a microphone yeah. on stage with an audience. That's what Who I sound like. memorized some perfectly it's tight, tight. Jokes. Yeah. It, There's no room for... Uh, 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 it's no room for extra information that's completely irrelevant. Yeah. It's got to be tight because you're going from one sentence. With one sentence, you're going to the to the second sentence, which is the punchline. Right. You don't want to crowd it with a lot of unnecessary. Uh, oh, jeez. There's no fat on the jokes at all. It can't be. I don't think. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, people, when, when you work in one-liners, I think people subconsciously, they... Uh, they decide that everything in the setup is going to somehow be involved. Excuse me, is somehow going to be involved in uh, in the punchline. So don't put anything in the setup that isn't exactly. necessary. Exactly. It's my mom. Hold Go on. ahead, no problem. Hello. My mom, who is ninety, be ninety-two in a couple of months. She, she's not in good shape. They put her in hospice today. So. Oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah, you know, she's 92 years old. You know, I talked to her. I'm assuming you can edit all. Yeah, I can. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm very um, good at editing. Yeah. Uh, when I talked to her, she's fairly coherent wow. and, and clear-minded, but she had a stroke maybe a year and a half ago, and she just... And just this is going down and that going. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah my one of my sisters, Jean, lives with her, and another sister is there at the moment. So they just it's just too much for them. Okay. So that she's going into hospice. So. Oh no. Well, you know it's it's she'll be more comfortable there, and every time I see the caller ID, I. God. Well, yeah, you good. You got to answer. You got to yeah, answer. Yeah. But this, it's not an emergency right now. No, 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 no. Totally I can, I can call it. Uh, Mom is resting, and uh, let me. Uh, yeah, you don't have to turn three, it off. Yeah, it'll be three days before I remember to turn it back, back on. Yesterday, uh, turn it back on. So, um, yeah. So, everything. People come to think that everything you mention. And, and the setup is going to be in the, the punchline. Punch and line. so they're thinking, well, you know, I, when I broke up with uh, Lori, it was a rainy day. And it, 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 and ra so they're thinking, okay, rainy day is yeah. getting <laughs> wet. And so it just, David Mamet had, had a great way of putting it uh, uh, when talking about telling a funny story uh, or a joke. Pack for where you're going. You may have this green sweater that you love that you got for Christmas and you're crazy about yeah. it. But it's June and you're going to Miami. You don't <laughs> need that. You, yeah, you don't need that green sweater. Pack for where you're going. And that's, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've gone through. For some reason in my mind, I always felt like you had to uh, indicate when something happened. Yesterday, once. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, last Friday. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Nope. It does not matter. Well, the other it, day. It, kinda, it yeah. has kind of a flow to it. So, I, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I went back through all the jokes and I just eliminated all unnecessary time references. Yeah. Because it just tightened it up even more. And they're also, they're a lie anyway. Yeah, It wasn't yeah. last week. It was never last and week. And it may put in, again, that's information that isn't really. Exactly. That, no. that, that punchline would work if it just happened. Works if it happened two years ago. Exactly. Works if it happened last week. Of so. course. So, so that's how I, and I just love the, and the tightness of uh, 
jokes. I'm curious about yeah, was it was that was that always your style? Yes. Um, you were always a tight one-liner yes. joke guy. Yeah. Have you ever strayed into telling a long story? Something crazy happens to you. You never. It's always going to be that. No. Growing up, I born in 1950. Growing up, the comics I saw almost exclusively on Ed Sullivan when I was a kid. Then it, then Merv Griffin and Dinah Shore and 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 uh, 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 what's his name, Mike Douglas. Um, they, the comics I saw were pretty much one-liner comics. Um, there were like Alan King, maybe a little bit longer setups, and you know he'd he'd talk about uh, you know a situation in his life, and it wasn't it wasn't one-liners. I mean, everybody at some point in their act does a one-liner right. in order to get the laugh. Yes, you got to have a setup, you got to have a punchline. Right. But uh, uh, Alan King wasn't his. Uh, Tight getting to the, for instance, but most comic. That's who I saw, and uh, I enjoyed it. Um, Henny Youngman. Henny Youngman. Uh, I was taking the other day, as I put on Facebook. I was taking this the other day because it it beat actually writing. <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> writing because it's uh, more fun than actually. Yep. Writing, but I was thinking about the different influences in my life, and just I said, you know what? It just for me. It just comes down to Henny Youngman. Henny Youngman. Yeah, it just comes down to Take that. Take my wife, please. Yeah. Right. Best joke ever. Um, <laughs> I have so a friend. Short. Yeah. Um, I have a friend that has challenged me. I need to come up with a a, a, a four word one liner that has both <laughs> the the setup and the punchline in four <laughs> words. And I came. I I got five words one time, but. Uh, um, well, your joke about the, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, it's this is it's longer than four words, but it is tight and it's got more than one punch in it. Where you, I, you know, I, w- I met my last girlfriend at a bar when I fell off a bar stool, yeah. and she was on the floor also. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, yeah. I, I I butchered it, yeah. but you get two big punches. Yeah. Um, and also, people relate to the idea of like you shouldn't meet your girlfriend at a bar. They're yeah. laughing at that already, yeah. and then you get punch, punch. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the 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 premise is uh, one of the great loves of my life. I met at a bar. Hi. Um, and then we met when I fell off my bar stool. And that's, a, that's an interesting setup because once I'm a recovering alcoholic and once I fell off my bar <laughs> stool. <laughs> okay, so, you know, you go back and you say, all right, what my past? If I'm going to talk about my drinking, and, you know, as it happens, if you're drunk, things happen. Things will happen. As things happen. Yeah. It's why drunk humor is always better than pot humor. Yeah, yeah. Shit happens when you're yeah, drunk. you're right. And the thing is, with home. drunks, shit happens in public. Yes. You're not sitting at home high. Uh, you're, embar- you're embarrassing yourself, and that's yeah. and that's the source yeah. of humor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, you know, from time I'll go back in my drinking history and say, yeah. okay, I fell off a bar stool one time. <laughs> now. The, the aftermath of that wasn't very funny, but you start with that. Okay, I fell off my bar stool. That actually happened. Where do we go? Where right. do we go? Right. Okay, I'm on. So you know. So tell me about the about the drinking days, about the drugging days. It was the it was the eight. I think you said you quit in eighty five. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Uh, I remember it was before I was born. That's how that's how I remembered. It. it was definitely before I was born. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what? Where were you when uh, you decided to to call it quits? What was happening in your life? I was here in Houston. I just uh. 
what happened was I had been on the road. I'd been doing comedy since 77. This is 88. Um, and I'd been on the road, got back into town on a Sunday morning. And I just started drinking that day. And I wasn't a real big day drinker. Yeah. You know, every once in a while. Uh, of course, over the course of 20 years, every once in a while actually adds up to <laughs> quite a few days. Sure, yeah. Um, but I, I, and I got drunk and I woke up the next morning in my apartment and I just got back off, off the road and I had $20 in my pocket after a couple of weeks on the road. What the hell did I do? Oh, well, all the pay from the road. Right? Yeah. I, 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 after two weeks, I had $20 and rent was due. And basically, I just woke up and I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't do it. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of not knowing what happened to that night yeah, before. I'm yeah. tired of calling up friends and going, what happened? <laughs> uh, and I'm tired of being, I just, just tired of it. Yeah. So I, I just, um, I just decided that moment, I can't, I'm just not doing it. And I'm kind of lucky, blessed, as a friend used to correct me. I would say I'm lucky. I know you're blessed. I'm, I was blessed in this way. When I decided to quit drinking, my mindset wasn't, I want to drink, but I know I shouldn't, so I'm not going to. Yeah. So there was kind of this constant battle going on for some people. That was never the case with me. Uh, uh, I woke up and said, I just can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Can't do it. So that has made, uh, I'm coming up on uh, uh, 33, what's uh, yeah, 88. 88, 21, 33 yeah. years 33. of sobriety. I haven't had to battle it, and I'm probably being too arrogant, which is a bad thing for a drunk, <laughs> is to get arrogant. Not gone wood there, yeah. Yeah, bad thing for a drunk. But the fact of the matter is, I haven't had to battle it. A couple of times I thought, you know what, and then... I remember one time when I was saying, you know what, let's just go get a cup. And my very next thought was, you know what, I don't have that much money. I don't want to spend it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to got because God knows what will happen. Exactly. Right. So, and why do it? Why but that was it. I just woke up. Couldn't do it. Was it, it mostly alcohol? Or was there? I mean, it was the 80s. Was there cocaine? Yeah. Hash? Cocaine was a, I smoked pot for a long while. Got bored with that. Yep. You, you know what, you, you get more bang for your buck with booze you, you, you just do um so i got kind of bored with pot i got kind of bored with pot smokers today today i get real bored with pot smokers um there was a year or two here in houston where cocaine was all over the place yeah and we all did it um and you know what i did it fairly regularly i guess but um Never had to pay for it because people were always coming by the, the comedy show. Right. They loved comics. They loved hanging out with comics. Yeah. If their uh, if their uh, entry fee was supplying comics with a, a line or two, right, not a problem. They'll take it. But that they're I can still remember. around. Those people are still around. Oh Jesus! <laughs> they really they, are. And they're so sad. Yeah. <laughs> they're so sad. Um, and again, I can remember the moment I had done some cocaine, and my heart was pounding it scared the right, hell out of me right there's no way you're and so i at that done yeah done it's no good yeah but you, i know i'm sure a lot and of I your kept, friends i kept drinking beyond that my uh my maturity didn't extend <laughs> to all areas of abuse <laughs> but it didn't get, get rid of pot and cocaine <laughs> 
Yeah, I wanted to ask. I'm. Sh- I know. I've. I. I understand, of course, that you you rolled with a crew of comedians yeah. back in the day, the Bill Hickses and the Sam and the Sam Kennisons, and they were obviously into drugs. Um, and uh, they were they were also more ranty guys, as we mentioned earlier. Like you know, you're a stand and deliver one liner comic, and the the comics that seem that, that you're hanging out with that were that, are, that I know of were longer form, rantier, big idea comedians. Yeah, with trying to to make certain political points or make yes. certain social points or uh, yeah they they had a they had a point of view yes uh, and again you know that's great that's great i you know bill uh bill sam at his best bill when uh uh he when bill first started out as a kid he did one-liners yeah yeah, yeah very uh it's a 15 almost, yeah uh, almost woody allen-ish type right right one-liners, but Bill matured and evolved into who Bill became. Great, Sam at his best. Great. That's just not who, just not what I wanted to do. Yeah. That, that wasn't who I was off stage. That was the other thing, along with the, uh, with the uh, seeing one-liner comics uh, uh, on television. That's kind of what I did off stage too. Was you know jokes. Somebody would say something that was a setup for me. <laughs> and I'd hop in with a joke. So that's just wasn't who I was. No, it matches your, yeah. Yeah, I, and, you know, I have, I never drew a line that's saying this is the right way to do it, this is the wrong way. And, I, you know, Bill loved my act. I, I don't know what Sam thought of it. I don't know that Sam... I never hung with Sam too much. The year I came to Los... I came to Houston in 81 from Los Angeles. Sam went to... Uh, Los Angeles from Houston about the same time. So okay. our, our past didn't overlap too I much. See. Bill and I were great friends. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed what he did. But that just wasn't, yeah. Didn't. There were other, com- you know, like uh, uh, Jimmy Pineapple did one-liners, but he had a point of view quite often also okay. that he wanted to make. I love that name. He, he crops up with you when I was looking you up, Jimmy Pineapple. What's the, uh, what is the, why does he... Jimmy, Jimmy uh, <laughs> where did he go to college? Um, he went to college in Louisiana. That's where he's from. Okay. Uh, he's been my best friend for, Jesus, 40 years maybe. Um, but in college, pineapple, he wore, he got to where he wore a Hawaiian shirt. There you go. And his college buddies uh, uh, tagged him with the nickname Pineapple. And, you know, he just carried that over into right. Uh, comedy, and it was a little more common in that in that time to have sort of a nickname, a yeah. moniker when you went yeah. on stage. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Pineapple. So that that's that's, that's where that came from. That's hilarious. Now I want to talk about the, the moves to L.A. I, 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 as far as I know, you had two moves to Los Angeles. Uh, excuse us, Terrence. Yes, sir. Hey. Yeah. All right. I swear to you, this is true. I do not see a, a homeless person or a crazy person without thinking they're for the grace of God. They're for the grace of God. I mean, that could very easily have been me. Just completely wet brain and crazy or homeless. Man, oh man, could have been me. I respect that. Exactly. And that's, I think that's a, that's a good right attitude to have is the, the, em, the empathy, the sympathy. That, that's oh, a yeah. human being. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, depending on a couple of factors... I give money to the homeless all the time. That's good. Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes they have a more hostile attitude towards you. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's, I'm, I'm going my own way. 
here's <laughs> sometimes uh, there'll be a it's almost always a young person and they'll be like leaning up against the wall sitting on their butt leaning up against the wall and they'll ask you for money as you walk by please stand up can you stand up <laughs> you got a do you have a story for me i mean this this is not working but yeah i did gentlemen like that i it could have been easy the drink could have done that to me drugs could have done that to me drinking drugs could have killed me that's a great attitude drink sometimes i i i i know you listen to a lot of podcasts with uh comics talking about their career yeah exactly. actors talking about their career exactly. and inevitably at some point the, the, the comical and talking about his career. And then I got lucky. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> then I got lucky. This happened. And one time, I'm, every time they get, and they don't say it with any shame or anything. Yeah, I got yeah. lucky. Good for, and I took advantage of One time I was listening to somebody and they said, yeah, and I got lucky and this happened. And I thought to myself, well, how come I've never gotten lucky? And then my very next thought was, you ungrateful son of a bitch. You're a wife. <laughs> you know, literally, I might be the luckiest comic on earth because given my lifestyle and given that my age i could be dead the yeah. fact that i'm vertical and and doing stand-up i might if i were to go to whoever's in charge of luck in the universe <laughs> and start to complain that person just might give me a backhand <laughs> and knock me across the goddamn room you ungrateful son of a bitch you're doing comedy you got a gig tonight asshole you got a gig tonight you, you are so lucky so <laughs> I, there but for the grace of God. There but for the grace of God. I mean, the, gra the gratitude, I really appreciate the gratitude. That's a, that's a great lesson. I'm so happy to well, have heard that from you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not overflowing with a lot of wonderful qualities as a person. I am a grateful person. Yeah. I am a very great, and I'm aware of it, and I pray twice a day, and I take note of the fact that I've, I've been blessed. So <laughs> I've been Not blessed. lucky, blessed. Yeah. Exactly. Blessed. blessed. Okay, so I was asking you about um, you made two moves to Los Angeles, is that right? Yeah, I went out there in 70, late 77. Right when you started comedy. That was to start to comedy. I didn't know start. what I was. Right. I'd been um, 27 at the time, closing rapidly in on 28, I guess, at that point. And um, I had never had a career, variety of jobs. I was a mess, but I had always loved stand-up. Yeah. And I just had this gut feeling that comedy was what I ought to be doing. But, you know, in 77, it's, there was nothing in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I was right. living. Where am I going to do? Right. And, you know, I I wrote some jokes and sent them in to people and got a little bit of encouragement from a couple of people. Uh, but still, how do you, you know, the, 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 the Dick Van Dyke show set me down, put me on the... Uh, 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 not the wrong path, but got me to thinking. Well, I ought to be a writer, hanging out. Oh, with right. You, yeah, right. hanging out the with the show's about the writers. Yeah. yeah, which of course that is completely, you know, impractical. That one. So I tried stand up a couple of times in Charlottesville, and then decided. Well, I had what I thought was a lot of money saved up, and I didn't. Not really, as it turned out. <laughs> how much? What? Do you remember how much it was? You know, for some reason, nine hundred dollars sticks <laughs> in my mind. And I went out to Los Angeles with all I knew now on The Tonight Show and and uh, other, uh, 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 again, Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin, Mike whatever. Mike Douglas. Um, um, there was constant reference to the comedy store. Yeah. And um, 
So I'll go out to uh, to the comedy store, and uh, they have an open mic night on Monday. I'll go do open mic night on Monday. I didn't know anybody. I only had $900. I thought that was enough. You're rich. Yeah, I, I, I had no plan other than I'm going to do an open mic. I'm going to fly across country. To do an open from mic. From Virginia to, to do an open mic. <laughs> and I didn't even know how that worked. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I got on stage, uh, and I don't, remember the, I don't remember how they did it. If if you drew a number or if if you just got I don't I don't remember if I got in line like at noon right for right. I, I don't remember but I got on stage and had a nice set and Robert Aguayo uh, who was running it him and Danny Moore were uh, running it and uh, Robert Avi come back next week oh good and I that's thought, a good well, sign okay, I, I, yeah. I'll come back next week they they saw a good show. I did well, so they just want to give me. What I didn't know was what, and they didn't tell me this, and I don't know if it was out of neglect or to keep me from freaking out, but a week goes by and I don't go, I'm in my cheap hotel room. I go back out there, I go on stage, have enough. What they didn't tell me was, at that, with that set, I was showcasing for Mitzi Shore. Wow. They, she, she, every Monday, would set aside a certain part of the evening to look at comics that Robert and Danny recommended she see. So uh, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I didn't know. I probably knew Mitzi Shore was the owner, but I didn't right. know that there was an audition process. So, again, talk about being blessed. I mean, I just stumbled into that. And it went well or what? It went well. She made me a regular, so I started calling up. All right. I started calling up, and mostly I got spots out at the comedy store in Westwood. Um um, the less popular of the two. The less the sunset, popular. Yeah, the yeah kind of like AAA. AAA. Right, ball. right, the minors, yeah. Yeah. You want to be on Sunset. Yeah, you want to be on Sunset. Every once in a while I got a spot in the original room. Not too often. But, you know, because I was a regular, I got to hang out there. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, uh, I'm, you know, I had nothing to do on Saturday. I'd say I didn't get a spot at Westwood. So I go hang out at the Sunset store and there's... Leno and Letterman and Jimmy Walker and, and uh, uh, Elaine Boozler and Robin Williams and all these people are hanging out. Richard Lewis and Steve uh, Steve Landisberg, they're all mingling and talking. And, yeah. And all I mean, of no them, wonder you can get a spot at Sunset. No offense. Yeah, oh, I mean, no. That's tough competition, yeah. right? And again, uh, a certain amount of self-awareness that I've always been in possessed of. I knew that and didn't. <laughs> I wasn't. And it probably doesn't surprise you. There were comics probably at my level that complained that they didn't. Of course. They, they weren't going on in the main room at some Nothing has changed. You're, you're lucky they let you backstage. Yeah. <laughs> so, but gosh, to be, the great thing was all those comics I just mentioned and so many more that uh, maybe you'd, you'd never heard of, but they were strong working comics. They just completely accepted you because you were a comic and you're a regular. Right. And, you know, somebody like Steve Landisberg, uh, I don't know if you know who Steve no, is. No, I don't. Very funny stand-up. He has since passed. Did you ever watch Barney Miller? No. Okay, great sitcom. He was a regular on Barney that. Barney Miller. He's very funny. He's very funny. He did the Tonight Show a lot. But he would always ask, how you doing? You getting a lot of spots? You writing? You know, oh. they, they showed concern. Right. And, uh, concern. They showed interest. It's nice, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, I, I, I was part of a community for the first time in my life. 
as part of the community. So that was great. Now what happened out there, um, at one point when the strike happened after that, then Mitzi copped the attitude that, uh, well, if I'm going to pay money, I'm only going to put up the best comics. Sure. So all of a sudden, comics at my level weren't getting spots. Okay. So it was a little dicey for a while, and after a while, that kind of eased up. And so it was real hit and miss with Mitzi. It was real hit and miss. I'd get a lot of spots, then I wouldn't get anything. Get a lot of spots, wouldn't get anything. Now, what happened over the years, I made friends with who uh, comics from Houston who came out to uh, Los Angeles. Bill, Jimmy, right. Riley Barber, Steve Epstein. I got to know some of the Houston comics. We became great friends. Jimmy and I hit it off. And um, at that point, you had never been. You had not been to Houston. No. Nah. Okay. Now, as it happened, if I had done a little more uh, uh, research, Houston might have been a place for me to go instead of Los Angeles. Los Angeles, because right. it, it wasn't quite as competitive. Uh, 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 not as you know, certain parts of Houston, not as expensive to live in. Right. But I, I, I wasn't aware because the comedy workshop, which is not all that far from where we are now. And it's now a, uh, uh, a liquor store. Oh, well. Um, but the Comedy Workshop was the place in, in Houston. That's where Bill and Sam and, and Brett Butler and Thea Vidal and Janine Garaflo all uh, got started and so many other great comics. Um, they started around late 70s, too. So that I've often thought, but, you know, it didn't happen. Right. But I got to know those guys and... and, and uh, uh, one by one, for a variety of reasons, they each moved back to Houston because right. it just didn't get any traction in Los Angeles. And one day, Jimmy and Bill called me up and said, "Hey, you want stage time? We got stage time in Houston, <laughs> all over the all over the place." And and again, I was hit and miss in L.A. Come out to Houston. So in September of '81, I went out to Houston. There was uh, during the '80s. The early to late 80s, lot of clubs. Harris County, here, uh, which is where Houston is, Harris County, there were times, there were like six different comedy clubs. Wow. And in Houston. In Houston, yeah. yeah. And good rooms, too. Yeah. Some better than others, of course, but good rooms. And this is a golden age. You said it was like, you said, I think the comics in Houston at that point were you could up against any other comics in the country. Uh, yeah, there was, we had a lot of respect. You know, we'd go on the road, uh, uh, and, and and when, you know, the people found out you were from uh, Houston, just automatic uh, respect. Respect. They, they, they took, yeah. Yeah. So we had a real nice reputation, a lot of work for a while. You weren't going to get rich, but you could make rent. Right. And and pay the bills with, and never leave Harris County. That's amazing. Yeah. In and they Houston. were good rooms. Some of them, God, I mean. The last stop, which uh, uh, was on West Grade, not too far from here, they moved to to uh, Wall, not too far from here, and then eventually closed. That was a great room. We really miss that room. There's a place called Spellbinders. There were two Spellbinders. They were great. A little further out, the last spot. Last stop, uh, good, the last good, spot. Yeah. <laughs> good humor bar. Uh the comedy showcase was a great room. Did the improv open at some point? When did the and at some point, the improv opened. I, wow. uh, so, not wow, a bad. Time. Yeah. 
well, not a bad time and a bad location to be a comic. So it was a bad. So you, you think you developed more when you came da- down to Houston more than? That's LA? more stage time. More stage time, right? Stage time, yeah. It's gonna help, yeah. More stage time, uh, and then I was there starting in '81. Um, got sober in '88, and I swear to you, other than I think things weren't happening for me. Uh, uh, there's some personal things that made me unhappy or something. Anyway, I moved back to Los Angeles. I can't tell a you. Breakup? Speci- I smell a breakup. Well, Andy. there was a, a young lady involved, and that wasn't. I, I just was unhappy. Yeah. And I, I've always had uh, this idea well, if you're going to move, go so. Well, you kind of bring the unhappiness <laughs> with you. You're not really. Changing the situation. I know it's really. something, but it's not going to fix everything. No, no, yeah. it's something. Now, now you're you're unhappy in a different apartment. Right. <laughs> so, and I was back out there, and I didn't do much anything. I don't think I did much of performing. But you're pursuing writing. At yeah, that I did. Try to pursue writing. I was faxing in back then. I guess you. I, well, I don't know what they do now, but back then, you could fax in jokes to the Tonight Show. Facts in jokes to Dennis Miller's show. Uh, for a little while, I think you could do it with Letterman. You could just fax in jokes, and every once in a while, they would do one of them. That's amazing. Yeah, so That's I had a, a couple feeling. of jokes that got on The Tonight Show. Uh, one joke that got on Dennis Miller that I remember. But that's what I was trying to write, and I wrote a couple of spec sitcoms that were awful. <laughs> Uh, they're just awful. They're just heavy-handed. Do you remember any of the uh, the, the situation? Like, the, what was the premises of the sitcoms? Anything drawing from your experience, or not really? There was a mash. There, there, it, it, there and, and and when you're submitting shows, like to see uh, back then, like to see speculate uh, spec scripts. Of a particular show. At one point, everybody wanted to see you write a Murphy Brown. Right, everybody right. wanted to see you write a Mash. Everybody wanted to see you. They were for some reason. It didn't. They don't want to see a spec script about their show. Yeah, they don't uh, want your idea. Yeah. They want you to see how you do with Murphy Brown. Yeah, right, right. right. So I did, I seem to recall one Mash. I seem to recall maybe a Sanford and Son. <laughs> oh, they just awful. Just didn't have an an ear for dialogue. Right. Like okay. That. Just one. But you had the jokes. You could have been. You could have. Yeah, been, you could have been I, the I guy in the writers' room with the jokes. You could have. Done yeah, that. I could have been a great punch up. Oh guy. yeah, great punch up. We need a something here when he walks. Yeah, in. I could have been a great buddy, Sorrell. Yeah, <laughs> um, just punching up uh, jokes with uh, or sp- punching up scripts with jokes. But would you like a little more coffee? I can grab you some more coffee before we yeah, finish that'd up. Be great. Yeah, that'd I'll be, be right great. back. Thank you. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you, oh yeah, what do you what do you see for your future in comedy? What's your what are your plans? What's next? Well, I'm not sure. And the pandemic has fucked up everybody's idea of the future. Damn, no plans anymore, are yeah, you? No, no plans. No. It's it, and it's weird not to have a grip on the future. Not even a bullshit grip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you can kid yourself, well you know what, I have this two year plan, I'm gonna be doing uh, uh, you know, Colbert in a year and then, then, then the thing. you can't yep. the, the pandemic is so real and so intense and it's now it's been the, you know we're a year I was looking at my calendar 
my last three pandemic shows. Twelfth of thirteenth. Yeah. No, 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 no. The twenty third of March. Coming up on a year. Yeah, now. coming up on a year. Yeah. This is kind of like a new normal. So it's kind of hard to bullshit yourself. Yeah, I know. And it's impossible to make specific plans. I don't know. I don't know what to, you know, uh, keep uh, keep writing jokes, keep going on stage, keep grabbing. Uh, you know. Hey, puppy. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe get blessed once or twice more. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. But in the meantime, keep doing stand-up. We'll see. I don't... Uh, there's nothing... Los Angeles is as bleak as... Uh, right. Texas is, where, Texas is where you're supposed to be right yeah, now. Yeah, New York. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I, I have, I have a, a, a spiritual faith that I count on. You know, I... Is it a Christian faith? Yeah, I tell God it's the one. Lord, I'm turning this all over to you. I'll write the jokes. You you nudge me in the right direction. You have whoever it is knock on my door. I love it. I, I'm ready. I forgot to ask I, about um I forgot to ask about America's Got Talent. Yeah. Yeah. How, was, how long ago was that? That was it aired. I, I oh how about that? I got we uh, might be an anniversary. It was in March that I taped it. Oh wow. It might, have been, it might have been around now, it was March 8th or something like that. What's today? Today is the 6th? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm looking at my phone. Oh, uh, Monday, tomorrow's the 8th. Today's the 7th. Tomorrow's the 8th. So it was, yeah, so I taped it and it aired in June of 2018. It was, uh... Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I saw the Howie Mandel remembered you. Yeah, I knew <laughs> Howie from. Uh, yeah, I knew Howie from. Uh, uh, Westwood. Westwood. Uh, I don't know that our paths ever crossed outside the comedy store. Yeah. But you know, we got along, as you know, most comics do under those circumstances that you don't really socialize with. Hey, how are you doing? Right, there's a, there's a, but there's a, uh, your co-workers. Yeah, so you know, we have, we have something in common that's right. important. Right, So it was a friendly, uh, acquaintance. Uh, yeah, so, you, you know, get, you get 90 seconds on America's Got Talent? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, they cut, I, and I can't remember which two jokes they cut, but they cut two jokes, but yeah, it's about, but see, there's the beauty, there's, of doing one-liners. There you go. Yeah. You know, I do, I can do in 90 seconds, I, I can do, I can do nine jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, nine quality jokes. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, and it, it seems like a fool. So, you know, I feel sorry for, uh, or I, 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 I sympathize for comics that work long for. Yeah. That talk 90 seconds. I didn't take that very strong two-minute bit that works every time, and now i got to find 30 seconds to cut out of it. You take it somewhere else. You just don't do America's Got Talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, at a, you're at a disadvantage. Right. There are a lot of advantages to doing one-liners, practically speaking. That's one of them. Uh, sure. You know, you get, I want you to do 20 minutes tonight. Okay. Okay. Could you, could you make it just 17? Okay, I can, I, I can eliminate you. <laughs> It's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's right. easy to, easy. you know, adjust the set. The difficult about doing long runs is it takes for fucking ever to fill a minute. <laughs> I mean, like I said, six punchlines and tags per minute. That means um, that's six tags and punchlines that work 
which means I probably have to try out, and I might be generous to myself here, 18 jokes to find six <laughs> that work. You bet, you bet in three three thirty, no no problem. And I might be I might be more of a punch and Judy. Because <laughs> um, and then to find eighteen jokes that I'm willing to take on stage, I probably have to write another six or seven. I'm sitting there writing it, writing it, writing it. Not happening. So it takes a lot of time to fill up right. one one minute. Takes like particularly because I'm this is a fault. Uh, but I rewrite, 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 rewrite. I can't leave it alone. I suspect the thing I do, once you have a funny idea and you, you, you write it, maybe rewrite it once, then take it on stage and, and try it. And try it. Well, I think rewriting it, yeah, having tried, yeah, the audience feedback is important. Yeah. Right. Audience, audiences will tell you everything you need to know. Right. Every, uh, everything you need to know. I had Dangerfield said one time that individually they may be monkeys. But as a group, they're genius. How many genius? Yeah. yeah, and they'll tell you every. I, you know, when people, uh, young comics, uh, solicit my opinion of this, this, that, and the other, every time I start to pontificate, I tell them, "Look, I'll tell you everything. I, I, you know, I'm willing to talk about what I know. I have experience. I have some natural talent for it. I know some things." But the audience knows more than me. I can, I can give you a thousand reasons why that joke won't work. Yeah. I'll tell you exactly why that joke won't work. You take it on stage and just laugh. You know what? Fuck me. I was wrong. Yeah. yeah fuck <laughs> me. I might be after, after, and then after that, I'll tell you why it didn't work. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm real flexible that way. I can adjust. What's well, American? The audience is know more than I do. Right. They, they do, and they'll tell you. Um, you may think you're, you're great at political sense, but if you're political humor, if they stare at you, you know what? You're not that good at it. Try something else. Yeah, yeah do or, those uh, goofy yeah. impressions that your friends laugh at. Isn't he great? Oh my God, so wise. The the gratitude thing really got me with Andy. Um, the, the, the reverence for jokes and the the, the diligence of writing them and perfecting them and rewriting them. Um, I think he has a great, he's got a great attitude towards life and towards comedy. Um, this is why we talk to old people. Also, he was, <laughs> this is why we talk to the elderly because they're wise. Also, Andy uh, has been vaccinated. We, we spoke outside, we spoke outside and we spoke um, distanced, but he was vaccinated. So that's great. Um, so thanks again for listening to the podcast rate, review, and subscribe, of course. And we'll catch you next week. Bye.